they look so much alike. And so I can, they're, they're in for a hard time, is all I can tell you. In First Peter chapter 1, I read all afternoon about the four horsemen of the couplets in Revelation. And I wanted to speak on that tonight. But then I got over here, I got just thinking how good God is. And how just the peace of God and everything that comes in times that people's going through right now. And uh, so I got over here in First Peter chapter one. I'd like to begin to read in verse one. First Peter chapter one in verse one. <laughs> Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bethany. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Let me say right off, there's a, there's a teaching uh, that uh, teaches that we some are predestined to go to hell and some predestined to go to heaven, and ain't a thing you can do about it. Well... Uh, they don't ex- they don't explain, explain it like the Bible says, and they say that God chose who to go to heaven and who to go to hell. Well, He did in this respect. Look at verse two. Elect. Now we are the elect. If you're saved, you're all, you are the elect. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. So how do you get elected? By the foreknowledge of God. In other words, God knew he was going to get saved or he wasn't. That you was going to receive Christ or you was going to reject him. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God through, how does that happen? Through the sanctification of the Spirit under obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace and you and peace be multiplied. And it's always in that order. It's grace first and then the peace of God. But if you'll notice how anybody gets saved, we're, we're saved, yes, we were elected. How? By the blood of Jesus Christ. Anybody that comes through the blood of Jesus Christ is elected unto salvation, and we're predestined to go to heaven. Now, look at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a lively hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and it fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifest, manifold temptations. That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that pierces, though it be tried with fire, might be found in the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love, and whom though now you see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. You ever heard somebody say, uh, I've heard preachers preach on uh, hold out to the end? Well, that verse 9 explains that. Receiving the end of your salvation, even the salvation of your soul. Now, there's a few things I want you to see. Uh, verse 2 first. 
Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. I like that. The doctrine of the Trinity lies at the foundation of all true religion or salvation. Now as a child of God, uh, we realize this one fact. Then grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Notice two things are multiplied to the ones who have the Trinity settled in the matter of salvation. Now, the Trinity is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. What he's saying here, if you've got that settled in your heart, there's one God in three. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Just like me and you, you see my body, I have a soul, and I have a spirit. And that's what he's talking about. Now, if you've got that settled in your heart, and you know that's true, and when a child of God realizes that, then he said, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. So, first is grace. The free favor of God. Now, we read a minute ago that we're predestined to go to heaven. We're elected according to the foreknowledge of God. How is that done? By grace. In other words, you don't have a thing to do with that. It's by the grace of God. Grace. God shows His His favor to us that don't deserve it. Now, with all His proper effects, pardon of sin, sealing, assisting, Saving, all these are multiplied to the true believer. And then I want you to notice the second thing, peace. Now what kind of peace? All sorts of peace is multiplied. Romans chapter 5 verse 1, we have the peace of God with us now. According to Romans chapter 5 verse 1, that means domestic peace, civil peace, peace in the church, spiritual peace with God, and our consciences and so on. So it's multiplied to us. Solid peace cannot be enjoyed where there's no true grace. So first comes the grace of God, then peace. Now what that's saying, if I believe that I'm saved by works, if I believe that I get have to get baptized, if I believe I've got to speak in a tongue, it's an angelic tongue, or I believe I've got to give so much money to the church, or I believe anything else except by the grace of God am I saved, then I'll never have any peace. You'll always be in trouble wandering and in doubt of your salvation. But when you settle this God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit that does the work in your heart by the grace of God, you don't even deserve it, God gives it to you, then peace is multiplied. Grace first, and then peace. Notice, where God gives true grace, He will give more grace. And every godly man desires the improvement and multiplication of these blessings in himself and others. Then verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, notice that the books of 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 3, Ephesians 1 and verse 3 all say the same thing. Also begins like Peter begins here. They start off with thanksgiving. The very duty of a believer is to thank God or to bless God. A man blesses God by recognizing that God is great and God is good to us for blessing us the way He has with salvation, peace, and joy, and so on. I love my little granddaughter, Evelyn. She'll be in the other room, in in the living room, and the way we got our house built, the, the living room and all 
kitchen is all together, sort of. And I'll be and I said, let's ask the blessing now. And she's in the next room. And we'll pray and ask the Lord to bless him. And I'll say, Amen. And she'll say, Amen. I'm glad she's being taught already to thank God. Amen. And I really mean that. When it comes to being blessed, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible teaches us a man blesses God by recognizing that God is great. I like what we teach our little kids. God is great. God is good. Let us thank Him for our food. Ain't nothing with that. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Amen. Now, the object of this blessing described by our relation to Jesus Christ. Now, the object is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. There are three names of one person denoting threefold office of God. Number one, He is Lord. Now, in other words, He's a universal King, sovereign. He is above all in power and in might. He is Jesus. That's a priest. Jesus, priest. Our great high priest. Jesus means Savior. Jesus is our priest who offers to God for our sins. That's what a priest does. Jesus is our mediator between God and man. That's what a priest does. And I thank God and bless His holy name for our Lord Jesus Christ. He's our great high priest. Amen. Then, the third thing I want you to see, He is Christ. Now, Christ means a prophet. Christ is our prophet, anointed with the Holy Spirit and furnished with all the gifts necessary for instruction, for guidance, and for uh, salvation of a believer. This God, so blessed, is the God of Christ according to His human nature and His Father according to His divine nature. The word blessed here simply means praise. Now in the New Testament, this word is never used in reference to a man. If you, if you study the New Testament, you'll find that the word praise or blessed is never in reference to a man. In other words, we're never to praise man. We're to praise God. It's just like I tell people all the time. If you're sick, I believe in going to a doctor. Now, a lot of people don't believe in going to a doctor. They believe in praying to God, He'll heal me. Well, I don't know about you, but I believe the knowledge that that doctor's got and the medicines that's given to us, it comes from God also. Because the book of Hebrews said all good things come from above. It don't come from that doctor. If I go to a doctor and, and, and I like my doctor and I go to her and she looks over me and says, uh, I recommend according to the doctor manual here that this will do you good for what you got. And I say, praise you, doctor. You come up with a good idea, not on your life. I praise God for giving the one that invented that medication to give it to that doctor to give it to me to help me. Amen. I'm not going to praise a doctor. I'm not going to praise some man on the face of this earth except thank God for you that God is using you. And we're and you'll never find in the New Testament where the Bible praises man. It's always praise God. Now, man is to be... Uh, again, notice how David praised the Lord. If you turn over to Psalms uh, 96 with you for just a minute. Psalms 96. You know where I've been reading a lot lately, just reading from my own... I just love to read it over and over again. 
and I'd like for you to try it sometime as Ecclesiastes. I, I just read it over and over and get such a blessing. But Psalms 96 and verse 1, listen to this. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Sing unto the Lord, bless His name. Show forth His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the heathen, His wonders among all people. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before Him. Strength and beauty are in His sanctuary. Give unto the Lord, O you kindreds of the people. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto His name. Bring an offering and come into His court. O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before Him all the earth. Say among the heathen that the Lord reigneth. The world also shall be established, that it shall not be moved. He shall judge the people righteously. Let the heavens rejoice, and let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar in the fullness thereof. Let the field be joyful, and all that is therein. Then shall all the trees of the wood rejoice before the Lord, for he cometh for he cometh to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the people with truth. Every time I read that song, I think of how David praised the Lord. And the Bible said that David was the apple of God's eye. And I, I want to, as I study David's life, uh, he's one of my heroes in the Scripture, and I wanted to see... What made him so different than all other men that God would call him the apple of God's eye? And you'll find something about David. He always give God the credit. Amen? For everything that was done in his life. When you remember that old big giant had come down in that valley to face that little boy? And the, the Bible says that that giant was disdained. In other words, he was angry because a little runt like David was coming down there to fight a big old man with him. And David said, you come to me with a sword and shield. I come to you in the name of my God. Amen. And what David was saying, I give God the praise, not my strength. Now, the reason for a believer to praise the Lord, number one, because of his abundant mercy. I've thought about this many times. I didn't get saved until I was 26 years old. I wonder sometimes how God put up with me for 26 years without Him. But He did. And He gave me every opportunity to come to Him. That's mercy. Amen? Number one, we ought to praise Him because of His mercy. Number two, because He has begotten us again. We've been quick and made alive in Christ Jesus. You ever think about before you got saved what it took to make you happy? What it took, you just couldn't find any happiness. You looked at it, looked for it, and everything in the world. And now, when the old devil gets on me and gets me down, you know what I do? I look up to Jesus and say, Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you, Lord, for giving me that sweet fellowship that me and you have. The devil can't do that. And then because we have a lively hope, not a vain hope, not a perishing hope, as does the world and the hypocrite do, but a lively hope, a living, strong, quick, and durable hope. And then fourth, because our hope is built upon the resurrection 
of Jesus Christ from the dead. Regeneration produces a lively hope of eternal life. Every unconverted person is a hopeless creature. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the ground or foundation of a Christian's hope. I was reading a little thing the other day, and this this, uh, Christian person was writing about it, and they said, uh, I wonder how an unsaved person uh, feels when he gets a blessing in his life and he's got no one to tell it to. Me and you got a blessing. When we get a blessing, we got somebody to tell it to. Our God. Amen? And the unsaved person, he don't have that. I go to God when I'm blessed and I say, Thank you, Lord. Amen? So uh, when it comes to regeneration, it produces a lively hope of eternal life. Every unconverted person don't have that. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the ground or foundation of a Christian hope. I, I was a builder. And I found out something in building. You, it, whatever you put in that foundation, steel, a rebars, how many you put in it, how thick the concrete is, how tall the building you're going to build up on that foundation determines all that's in that foundation to hold it up. And I found out something. Without the right foundation, the building will fall. And so the foundation where our salvation is built on a greatest foundation it could be, you know what it is? The resurrection of Christ. If I didn't have anything else to place my eternal salvation on, it would be the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. He come out of the grave, I know I'm coming out of the grave. You're not going to get rid of me, just like they tried to get rid of Jesus. No, He rose from the dead. And so that's our foundation of our salvation. This resurrection of Jesus Christ, God's Son, uh, demonstrates that the Father accepts His death and blood of Tom in full discharge for our ransom. When we are sinners, we're alienated from God, afar off if you want to, and Jesus brought us back together. Now I want you to watch this. The determining factor... Do you ever hear somebody, I wonder will God forgive me? I wonder can I, if I pray, will God hear me? And they got those doubts in their mind. Now listen very carefully. The Father accepts the death and the blood atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ for the discharge of for our ransom. He bought us back. And uh, that He is victorious over death and the grave and Satan. That's Proof positive that I can go to the Father anytime. Why? Because He's already paid it all. Now, and it is the assurance of our resurrection also. Colossians 2 and Colossians 3, we are to praise the Lord. We are to bless God's holy name for all His goodness to us in Christ. Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Then verse 4 tells us, Having constant congratulated these believers on the new birth and the hope of everlasting life, Peter goes on to describe that life under the promise of an inheritance. Now, the inheritance of a born-again person is heaven. And all that goes with it. Aren't you glad that heaven is just... My inheritance is not just a place. It's all that goes with it. I'm going to see God one day. I'm going to be with my loved ones one day. I'm going to be with people that I've led to the Lord one day. 
And you think about it. There's more to heaven than just going to a place. We got an inheritance and it fadeth not away. This is an a born again person is heaven and all that goes with it. Heaven is our inheritance. This inheritance is incomparable in four ways. Number one, it's incorruptible. In this respect, it's like the maker that made it. God is called, in Romans chapter 1, verse 23, incorruptible. In other words, you can't corrupt God and you can't corrupt heaven. All corruption is a change from better to worse. But heaven is without change, without end. Our home is eternal in the heavens. And the possessors of this home must live there forever. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 53. This inheritance is undefiled. Like the great high priest that is now in the possession of it, the Lord Jesus Christ, Hebrews seven twenty six said, And because of sin and misery, which are the two great defilements that spoil the world and mar its beauty, have no place there. It fadeth not away. Our inheritance never loses beauty. It is reserved in heaven for you. If you can't praise God for all these things, brother, there's something missing in you. Amen? And I think about this. At my heaven is there, it fadeth not away, and is reserved in heaven for me. I like that. You can't have it. Not my place. It's reserved for me. And you can't take I can't take yours away and you can't take mine away. And it's it's a beautiful place. Do you know I, I was talking to I told you this over several times that when I asked the doctor, I said, Doc, when you begin to die, he said, The moment that you're born you begin to die. You ever notice a home or a house and people will move out of the house and it immediately goes downhill? The roof deteriorates, the walls get moldy, everything about it just starts folding in within itself, it starts dying. Everything on this earth is dying. I read, I heard, the, the, uh, I got where I sometime late at night I turned the TV over um, my life has changed. I'm mellowing. Uh, I turned my TV over to the other night to classical music. Now, you know how bad it's getting with me when I turn over to classical music. But I turned it over there the other night and I said, man, that's beautiful. And I'm sitting there meditating on that music and they come up with these sayings on that stage. There's music playing and these little sayings over here by great people. And it says, flowers, petals fall, but grass grows. And I said, what the cat is he talking about? <laughs> I said there a few minutes, I said, you know, that's exactly right. The beauty of this world fades, but the grass keeps right on growing. Amen. And that's profound when you really say, talk about it. There was a man who used to come to this church. And he, he, he would come down to my house and he said, can I talk to you, preacher? I said, sure. And we'd go out to my outside garage and pull us up a chair and sit there in, in the door with it in my garage and we'd just talk a while. And he said, you know what, preacher? I figured life out. He said, the first thing you got to do is lay down beside it before you can get in it, before you can go on to come out on the other side. 
man, what's this guy talking about? <laughs> and I, told, I went in the house and I told my wife, I said, you know what bothers me? I'm beginning to understand him. <laughs> He's a great philosopher. I mean, he would come up with stuff that's out of this world, but when you start understanding what they're talking about, you better be careful, amen? But aren't you glad that everything is deteriorating in this world, but there is not? It's the same yesterday, today, forever. The beauty of it will be everlasting. And we'll be there. Praise the Lord. Stand with me, please. Father, we're so thankful to be in this place for your people. And it's such a pleasure to know that there's people still in this old world that loves you and wants to praise your holy name. All across this great nation right now, there's people in churches, people in pulpits, and people in their hearts praising your holy name for salvation, for keeping, for protection, for everything that we have. We praise your name for it. Bless us as we go on our way this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's sing just a, just a hymn, but just something. 399. I hope it's that same one you playing because I know that you sure it's in this book 399 thank you Lord just sing it twice thank you Lord for saving my soul thank you Lord for making me whole thank you Lord for giving to me thy great salvation so rich and free. Sing it again. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me thy great salvation so rich and free. Ask somebody to come to church with you. Bless us now, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.